0: This is Dave Green at East Line Studio, where we produce the Historians podcast. New Deal Democrats take on the economy and history podcasts for RISE, WMHT service for the blind and print disabled. Up next on The Historians, Michael Sinquanti. Michael Sinquanti publishes a daily blog of birthdays of people born in his hometown of Amsterdam, New York. It's one way to learn about local history. Amsterdam New York Birthdays.com. Mike Sinquanti also keeps track of the birthdays of major sports stars. His pinstripe birthday blog was the tenth most read blog on the Major League Baseball website. This is the Historians Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Mike Sinquanti to the program. How are you doing, Mike? Doing fine, Bob. Mike Sinquanti publishes a daily blog of birthdays of people born in his hometown of Amsterdam, New York. He also keeps track of birthdays of major sports stars. He's authored the Big Apple Sports Birthday Blog for the Leader Herald. His Pinstripe Birthday Blog was the 10th most read blog on the Major League Baseball website. He also uh, wrote uh, a completely different story, a Christmas story called not just another Christmas story. Uh, Mike is president of Genium Publishing, a leading provider of comprehensive environmental publications, company based in Amsterdam, New York. He founded it in 1984. Uh, many other interesting things about Mike's life, but let me uh, ask him how he got into this birthday business. How did you decide this was something to pursue?
1: Well, it uh, goes back into the 90s. I was watching a Yankee game, believe it or not, and uh, Phil Rizzuto uh, was broadcasting the game, and he always would take time out to wish Yankee fans a happy birthday. He was doing so one day, and Bobby Mercer, who was in the booth with him, asked him when his birthday was. Uh, Rizzuto never answered the question, so (laughs) I went over and got my baseball encyclopedia, which was a 15,000-page book that listed everything you ever wanted to know about Major League Baseball. And I looked up Rizzuto's birthday. And when I found it, I then looked up uh, Mercer's. I said, man, I bet you I could find a Yankee born in every day of the year. And that became my hobby for the next eight weeks or so. And I created on paper a grid of all of the Yankee birthdays. So I had one for each day of the year.
0: So that's true. There's a Yankee born every day of the year?
1: Well, there's a few th- few days they're missing, but uh, mostly mostly true. Uh, maybe two or three days where one wasn't born, but on most more than two or three were born. So, uh, I approached. Actually, at the time, you get a year's worth of anything. The first thing you think of is calendars, mm-hmm. and I decided to go to. Uh, there was at the time one company publishing that had the license to publish any baseball calendar associated with Major League Baseball. They were called Turner Publishing. And I said, I have this idea for a, for a uh, calendar. And uh, I was talking to the vice president of product development. and He loved it. I Loved it so much. He said, Mike, uh, you've got the Yankees. Uh, we want to do the Red Sox and the Mets. So I spent the next few months because calendar people don't decide what they're going to do the following year. They follow a calendar. So <laughs> I, I had two months to go before the decision was going to be go ahead. So I went ahead and I started writing as fast as i could for all of the uh, those three teams he comes back to me and says mike i have bad news for you the decision was no and i said why not he said well we'll be competing against ourselves i never thought of that you know huh. they already had a trivia calendar for those three teams and uh, the president of the company said well we'd love the idea but why should we compete with ourselves you know and that's what happened huh. but that's where the idea came from originally and so i took it from there and um uh, went to the Big Apple idea and actually approached the New York Post at that time, uh, where I got a sports figure from all the major sports. I had a birthday grid, and uh, they loved the idea. Again, a couple months went by and it kind of died out. And that's when I went up and saw Leader Harold Pat Beck, and she said, "Yeah, let's do it." You know, so so that, that is... gave me the idea. Locals better.
0: Mm-hmm. Now with the and, Leader Harold, uh, that did that become something electronic? You know, a blog, or was it something printed?
1: No, it was it was totally electronic. It was done via their website and, uh, you know, it became a popular feature. It, it, about 2,000 people a month would take a look at it. And um, I enjoyed doing it, found out I could do it, which was very important. I needed to know that I could, you know, had spend the time on doing something like that and get it done every day, and I was able to do that. And then I went to the Major League Baseball site, and did one totally devoted to the Yankees that became very popular. I was getting about 5,000 hits or views a month. And um, that's what led me to, you know, think about Amsterdam.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I wanted to do a city-based one on more than just sports. And that's, where I, that's how I got to where I am.
0: With, <laughs> I'm like um, a dog with a bone, as some people tell me. Did you ever make books, though, out of the, the, birth, the baseball birthdays?
1: I did. After Turner, after the calendar people told me they weren't going to do it, here I was with three different, three sets of teams pretty much done. But for a calendar, you can imagine, Bob, it was just a short profile Mm -hmm. uh, designed to fit on the the front of a a desk calendar. Um, And so what I had to do was expand upon it. But I did do three books, uh, a year's worth of Yankee birthdays, a year's worth of Mets birthdays, and a year's worth of Red Sox birthdays, paperback books, which I published via Genium. Um, and didn't do very well with them, you know. I mean, i just uh, at the time I, I wasn't ready to do that sort of thing. But I I went ahead, I pu- printed them, published them. Uh, probably sold about a hundred copies of each book. More more of the Yankees than the other two.
0: But. Mm-hmm. So they were more popular electronically. Uh, but that is interesting. You have your own publishing company, which, uh, well, well, you tell me, you, can you describe it? I mean, we're a leading provider of comprehensive environmental publications. Well,
1: we we were a spinoff of General Electric Company. Um, and uh, I used to be part of the, we used to be part of the Research and Development Center in GE. And we published books uh, on technology that GE had developed but was underutilized. stuff that, that was non-proprietary. So it was more than environmental. It was actually heavily engineering-focused um so you know we used to publish big thick manuals and uh they would be on drafting and heat transfer and fluid flow and components technology and binary phase diagrams (laughs) real technical stuff and that's where uh that's where genium evolved from was from a ge group and and we did we did what we did for ge for a long time until the internet came along and kind of changed our business mission, our, our you know the way we did business, our business model, as it did for many businesses.
0: Mm. So now these manuals and so forth, you're doing them electronically. Is that what exactly? You're yeah.
1: Everything is online. Most of them are online. The ones that we still publish are online, and um, uh, we do them uh, you know subscription basis where people subscribe, and uh, it's worked out decently for us.
0: Mm. And you started to explain. We're talking with Mike Sinquanti, by the way, president of Genium Publishing uh, technical uh, material, primarily they publish now electronically, but he uh, he did well with the birthdays of Major League Baseball players and other sports stars. So you decided to do Amsterdam birthdays, and uh, that's what brings you really to the historians. It's it's kind of recent history, but I'm just uh, fascinated by how so many people in Amsterdam are involved in writing about its past. It seems <laughs> that Amsterdam is a great exemplar of the old saying, all our happiness is in the past. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, so you, you, any more to say about why you, you did the baseball so you decided to do your hometown, the birthdays?
1: Uh, yes. Um, you know, I... I, I you you were one of my inspirations, of course, in what you've done with, with uh, personal history, you know, telling stories about people. And um, my idea with the the calendar, I thought was, you know, a lot of people don't like to read books. Um, a lot of people like to get their history in doses. And uh, I, a daily dose of history sounded good to me. And uh, there were so many stories to tell. I said, okay, let's see what I can do with Amsterdam. Let's see what I can do with birthdays of of Amsterdamians, and um, I'm here, I'm from here, i I lived here all my life, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of Amsterdam history, because I've been here this long, but um, it was that sort of inspiration mm-hmm. that uh, I decided to make me go ahead with the Amsterdam idea.
0: Well, let me uh, throw, throw a few of the names at you, because r- right now, well, or let me establish this, right now you're doing a daily blog or, or of Amsterdam birthdays, or you do one whenever you have a birthday, or how does it work?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much, uh, I've developed that, that grid again. I've got some gaps in that grid where I don't have a birthday for every day. But uh, it's been pretty steady uh, so far. For the first, uh, I'd say, 115 days, I've written 112 posts. So, you know, I've missed three or four. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but, again, it's, it, it, it's the same format. And what I try to do is I try, of course, to get ahead a little bit. And uh, I write when I have time. Uh, and uh, but that's what that's what the goal is. The goal is to get one for every day. And one of the things I'm doing via Facebook and via the blog itself is trying to get people to nominate people for me. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing that very well. I've gotten a good reception, a good response from that. I'm getting a lot of requests. But one of the things they're not giving me are the birth dates themselves. Right. So that's been a little bit of a problem.
0: How do you find them then?
1: Well, uh, again, I go back and I ask them to find them for me. But uh, you know, uh, I, you've probably used this—the resource uh, FultonHistory.com, dot sure. Fulton com, mm-hmm. where they do all of the back issues of the recorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've used that extensively. I I I, lo- I could sit there and read old recorders for hours and hours, mm-hmm. hours and hours. But I find a lot of data from that.
0: Yes, no, I do. I do. In fact, I was just recently doing some some family stuff about um, my ancestors. But let me. Uh, I was the blog comes to me via a Facebook group. I forget the exact name of it. Something about we really grew up in Amsterdam, New York, yeah, and so I forth. Yeah, I
1: grew up in Amsterdam. Yep. There's there's two or three of those, and yeah. I do I do post on there. But I, my my blog has a mailing list, and there's actually over 300 names on it now, mm-hmm. where you can join the blog. And every day, what I do is I send out a trivia question mm-hmm. uh, for that day's celebrant. And that kind of gets the ball rolling for those people. They get to kind of quiz their sense of Amsterdam history and uh, find out the correct answer by clicking on the link I provide. That takes them to that day's
0: blog. Yes, very entry. well done. You're 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 very good at marketing these things. Yeah, you know, put, well, put, that's, what I, that's what I do for a living. Yeah, so, that's great. Uh, but yeah, I've been. Mean, um, wanted to bring up some of the people you've just recently talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh you uh in the light of the retirement of David Letterman, you did a top 10 list about a man named Theron Aiken. Who was he? Theron
1: Aiken. Yes. And uh again, he's uh you wrote
0: about him. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, he was the ma- a mayor, probably the most controversial mayor of Amsterdam. I mean, Amsterdam <laughs> always has feisty politics, but this was like above and beyond. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh Anyway, and he also served in Congress.
1: Served in Congress, um, you know, but but as you said, the most controversial mayor we've ever had, and uh, you know, just some of the stories about how he, uh, uh, you know, uh, just the controversies he caused in Common Council meetings. You know, everything repeats itself, and we think we think things are tough today. Right. If you go back to when he had them. Holy Mackerel! I and mean, it even gets another falling.
0: another community involved because. Exactly. Yeah, Fort he, Johnson
1: uh, was actually called the Village of Aiken, and uh, he's the one. He's the one who got the. I guess he was the the, the guiding force to getting the village incorporated. And then got so many people up there mad at him, they voted to change the name. To fort yes, or, or they
0: did that in Congress as well while he <laughs> served in Congress.
1: That's right. <laughs> so he had Congress mad. at So up. they
0: changed the name back to Fort Johnson. I don't know if it ever really was Fort Johnson, but they said they didn't want anyone. His father to
1: actually lived in the fort. His, the, his yes, father owned yes. the fort.
0: His father was quite wealthy, as I guess he was. He was a dentist too, Theron. Yes, and,
1: Theron was a dentist. And, and he I love the name in, Theron. I mean, right. that's the name.
0: And he lived in Fort Johnson, but he ran for mayor of Amsterdam. You know, go figure. <laughs> but, I mean, a lot of people did that. They always accused Mayor Corning of actually living outside the city of Albany. But, Absolutely. Uh, and they wrote funny.
1: an editorial. Uh, that recorder at the time was the Daily Democrat, I think they called it, wrote an editorial. It was the most scathing editorial I've ever written and read in my entire life about, a. you know, where a newspaper said don't vote for this candidate i mean they were calling him names they did all kinds of things uh, it was it was really something it's its, it's an amazing piece of history yeah but
0: he got elected i think twice he did yeah <laughs> and uh, so there all right so that's one column or one uh, blog you did a birthday you did yeah. another one and darn i i didn't write the name down and i've just written a, my own story about it for uh, my newspaper column about a pigeon fancier vince candelo yeah Ah, uh, that was his name Now that was fascinating
1: Yes, uh, and I I grew up with Vince's daughter, Mary Jo, and so therefore it was a real personal story for me. I had actually been in the coops and saw the pigeons fly (laughs) and uh, knew the father very well. And those are the kinds of stories I really enjoy writing because they're about people who aren't, you know, well-publicized, who people don't know about, who have just just great stories to tell. And and the whole thing about pigeon racing and and learning about how— how it worked uh, you know just just fascinating stuff it's it's and there's a there was a large when i say large uh relevant relatively large contingent of pigeon racers in the city of amsterdam and they had their own
0: club on Lefford
1: street and uh, it it really wasn't it's a really an interesting story and i get all kinds of feedback from people telling me thanks for writing about it because they didn't know
0: yeah no it's true and the other pigeon fancier that i've got in my column was tom saluzniak maybe you've done him uh-huh. as well he was a uh, uh, he served in, you might call it the Pigeon Corps in World War II. I mean, he worked with pigeons. Uh, there you go, yep. And, in fact, they had one pigeon named G.I. Joe that's credited <laughs> with saving a thousand British lives because uh, a mess, the, the American... Uh, Americans were going to bomb the city in Italy that the Germans were holding, that not realizing that the British had taken it over. But they quick sent the message to the airbase by Pigeon, this Pigeon G.I. Joe, and they called off the airstrike.
1: Amazing. Another Amazing. person
0: you talked about is, uh, again, in the recent news, uh, uh, an industrialist, Amsterdam, a city of industry, was David Chalmers, right? Yes. And uh, a fascinating guy. He started the Chalmers Knitting Mill, or he and other wealthy people, I guess.
1: Um, yeah, yes, that's right. And uh, you know, you know, again, it, it, it long ago, but the story keeps going. You know, with uh, what happened with the Chalmers property, and there it sits, and what's going to happen. But you know, that that's the tie, the connection, things that happened that long ago, how they still have an impact on the way we're living and the future of our city, but. You know, you think about that piece of property that he built that mill on. It was tremendously successful mm-hmm. for many, many years, employed hundreds of people. And it um, had a very rapid, you know, rapid decline. And I, I, you probably are familiar with the Joel Kaplan connection. Sure. He, uh, you know, and, and I served with Joel on the Liberty Board. And, uh, you know, just the, the fascinating stories that came from that property and from that, that family. And
0: uh, Yeah. Now, Joel amazing. Kaplan was... Uh, an official of a successor company, as I recall. Yeah,
1: but, I think the, it was the Martin Company yeah, from Manhattan. But what he talked—what he, talked, up,
0: what he talked about was how, back in the days of Chalmers, uh, they they would buy the lighted sign at Times Square in New York. Would be about underwear made in Amsterdam.
1: Yes. Yep. And uh, spent you know a huge amount of money in those days—three uh, thousand dollars a month to rent that sign and did it for decades uh, because it was such an effective uh, form of, of advertising. But there it was in Times Square, one of the biggest, most visible advertising spots in the world, uh, Amsterdam's underwear.
0: Mike Sinquanti's uh, with us. He does uh, a daily blog of birthdays of people born in his hometown of Amsterdam, New York. And uh, one of the reasons I want to have you on is I- I'm hoping this idea will inspire folks in, I don't know, Scatticoke or Poughkeepsie or uh, Hudson. uh, A little
1: breaking up. I'm not.
0: Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm saying um, I'm having you on. The hope is to inspire people who live in other cities to do the same thing, be they Pittsburgh or Yes, absolutely.
1: I I think, uh, you know, it's just a great way of, of, of getting everyone involved in the history of their communities in what I call daily doses. Uh, you know, short stories. But every day you learn something different about your hometown and about the people in it. And the nice thing about it is, it covers all the ages. You know, I'm, I've gone back as far so far to the beginning of the uh, 19th century, but I've also written about people who are living today and um, and the connections the connections between those ages. And so it, it's I think it's just a fascinating thing that uh, I'm getting 500 to 1,000 people a day to read my to read these stories. So. Mm-hmm. I feel as if I'm educating, uh, inspiring, entertaining, and I think it would work in other venues, yes.
0: And I uh, always find something new, and you did one the other day, and I I don't exactly know how to pronounce the gentleman's name, somebody I'd never heard of, but he was one of your college professors up to Fulton Montgomery Community College, Jonas Cover, is it called? Oh,
1: yes, Jonas Cover, and uh, he... uh, he had just recently announced that he was leaving FMCC, but he was by far the the best, uh, most effective teacher I ever. I'm an American history buff. I've always loved American history. He was the greatest American history professor I've ever had in my life, and I'm not alone in saying that. It's anybody you ask who took this gentleman for that course at FMCC will tell you the same thing. He was that good of a teacher, and. Uh, He's uh, I, that's the best way I can explain it. He took his he he was a storyteller is what he was, but he was so well prepared and he knew his history so well uh that his his lectures I wish I had recordings of each and every one mm. of them because they were they were awe-inspiring for me as a history lover, but even people who didn't like history ended up falling in love with it because of him. So mm. well- uh, he's a jewel. He was a jewel and he's leaving and uh unfortunately Future generations won't have him, but uh, hopefully the stories, you know, the stories about him will continue and will inspire others to be like him.
0: Well, maybe he'll write now. Maybe he'll write a a book with these stories.
1: Yeah, you know, that was the one thing I was never sure about because I've never read anything, written anything he's read, anything he's written other than that letter to the editor that he wrote to the recorder. Uh, all I ever did was listen to the guy. Yeah. And that's the fascinating thing about it.
0: You've also done a blog about the great carpet maker uh, Stephen Sanford. Uh, tell us about him.
1: Uh, well, the thing I, I found most uh, most inspiring about Stephen Sanford was uh, the fact that uh, he had been called back from West Point to work for his dad at the um, the mill, at the uh, Sanford mill. And um, it, the mill burned down. And, and it must have been a, a tremendous decision to, for him, because of who he was, to start all over again. His dad threw in the towel and retired at that point. I think he was 52 years old, and he said, I'm done. And it was Stephen's decision to rebuild the mill and mm-hmm. make a go of it again here in Amsterdam. And I thought that was a critical decision for the future of our city.
0: It yeah, certainly was. All of these uh, blogs that you do about Amsterdam or Amsterdam area uh, birthdays, um, uh, you know, I'm still a, a print person to some extent do you think you'll make that into a into a book or or have you done that already
1: I do I've actually been in conversation with the recorder about doing something with them and they are interested and they're thinking about it and we're mulling over some ideas Um, but my my I I do intend to publish a book uh, at some point in this process it of course will be a year's worth when you know at some point Um, but I do intend to do that and I'm I'm setting up everything so that uh, I can do that uh, efficiently and as easily as possible. But that is my ultimate goal is to produce a book so that everyone can have a hard copy version of this.
0: Mm. Yeah, because they are uh, wonderful stories. I do uh, enjoy them pretty much each and each and every day. And it's also, uh, I think interesting to note that you, as you said, you were born in Amsterdam, you went to high school in Amsterdam, you went to college, came back uh, to uh, to Amsterdam, you made your home there.
1: I did. Uh, fortunately, uh, you know, my career I was in Schenectady, which is uh, very close by. I did not have to travel too far, but uh, um, it, it was a very easy easy thing for me to do. My family was here, my friends were here, and the thing I've loved most about Amsterdam, you know, are its people. And uh, I didn't have to leave, so um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that.
0: In terms of your work, you know, that your writing, we've discussed your... Uh, baseball birthday uh, blogs and books, and also the Amsterdam birthday blog, and we, we hope a book coming out soon. Uh, tell us a, just a bit about your Christmas book, not just another Christmas story.
1: Again, it was a, a book that was inspired by my own childhood, um, but I took it uh, and moved it from Amsterdam to Brooklyn and uh, to, create the, to create the story. But um, what I tried to do was um, tell a story that would... Uh, let people know what, a, what, what Christmas, what the holiday season was like if you were a, an Italian uh, in a big family uh, that followed all of the, the religious traditions uh, and, the, you know, the holiday traditions that, that our family did. And I created a story out of it. And um, that received a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful reception. And, I, I, you know, I, I published that both online. Um, you know, via all of the ebook uh, publishing types, and also hard copy. And it was a very, very successful, uh, you know, uh, a very successful venture for 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 me and for I think the readers.
0: Michael Sinquanti, who uh, follows birthdays and uh, has a uh, book out about Christmas, uh, what about or how do people reach you, or how can they access uh, the birthday blog of Amsterdam, for example?
1: Uh, it's amsterdamnewyorkbirthdays.com. Uh, is the website, um, and uh, at the website they can sign up for that uh, daily trivia question. Every day that there is a post, I will send them a message, and in that message will be a trivia question about that day's post, as well as the uh, link to the post and the password they'll need to read the post.
0: Mm-hmm. So give us the and, website once one more time, and that sounds like the simple thing to do. Go to that website. AmsterdamNewYorkBirthdays.com Well, Michael Sinquanti, thank you. I just have one other little thought I wanted to pursue with you. Again, I was uh, impressed uh, in your biography that you're quite active with the local arc up in Montgomery County uh, that provides services for developmentally disabled clients, uh, Liberty Enterprises. And you had the idea for a very popular program they have now, the Liberty Fresh Market?
1: Yes, I did. Uh, I had the idea, and... uh... But of course, it, it would, would only have remained an idea if it wasn't for the board of directors who approved moving forward. It, it's, a, it's a different sort of, uh, a different sort of activity for the arc, and uh, it was something that required a lot of people to, to, you know, be willing to try something new. And it started with the board. And uh, uh, but what we've been able to do is create a market up on Route 30 here in Amsterdam, a fresh market where people can go. And our whole focus in the market is. For, providing products that they cannot be found easily elsewhere, fresh local products um, especially. And uh, it's been very successful. And it's uh, the, the most important thing is it's providing an opportunity for some of the people who Liberty serves to have jobs that really permit them to um, uh, interact with the general public in ways that they've never been able to do before. And I think not only the Liberty people who are working there, but the people who are shopping there, Are just amazed at at how well that interaction is going and the relationships are building and it's really been a wonderful thing Um, and there are a lot of people involved who are working very very hard to make that uh, grow and continue but one of the things i did want to make mention of is the corona you know the corona farm that burnt down Mm -hmm. uh, up in perth Um, another example of how liberty fresh is working with the local purveyors well, they're rebuilding, and in rebuilding, they're sort of reorganizing, where they used to just be basically a dairy farm and a corn grower. They're now getting into fresh vegetables, all kinds mm. of fresh vegetables. In Liberty this year, the fresh market will be partnering with that local farm, and we're going to sort of have a, uh, a, what I call a farmer's market every day at Liberty Fresh Market, where all kinds of produce grown by the Coronas will be um, for sale at the Liberty Fresh Market. So it's a farmer's market every day.
0: And the Liberty Fresh Market is on Route 30? in the
1: On Route 30, up in Amsterdam, right across from the Burger King.
0: Okay, across from Burger King. Well, Mike Sinquanti, I thank you very much uh, for joining us on the Historians Podcast. Uh, keep up the local history writing and have a good day. Thank you, sir. Bob Cudmore again with Big News. We're in the beautiful summertime, but when fall rolls around, a new book will be uh, coming your way from yours truly, Lost Mohawk Valley, published by Arcadia History Press. It's in the works as we speak, Forgotten People, Lost Places, The Vanished Culture of Mohawk Valley Milltowns, brought back to life in this new book. From the memories of factory workers in the carpet mills to the testimony of a man called George Senator, an observer of one of the 20th century's most disturbing events, to details about the origin of an early television star, Ed Sullivan, Lost Mohawk Valley, I hope, will be a book you can't put down. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be uh, giving you updates on the progress of Lost uh, Mohawk Valley, which, again, should be out later this year. I'm looking at maybe September, maybe October. Also, you can support this podcast by making a donation to our GoFundMe campaign, gofundme.com slash thehistorians, or send a check made out to Bob Cutmore and send it to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. And the Historian's Podcast is produced at the lovely studio of Dave Green, Eastline Studio in southern Saratoga County. If you have ideas for people we should be interviewing on the Historian's Podcast, drop us an email. You can send me an email to bobcudmore at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening to the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cutmore.